It's March 8th, and once again, it's Lent. And once again, four days after Ash Wednesday, I am still trying to figure out what to give up. Does this happen to everyone else? When we were little, it was easy. Chocolates, candy, give up salty food or ice cream. One year, our son, who was at the time about 12 years old, actually gave up meat for the whole 40 days. He didn't eat meat for the whole of Lent, which meant that the rest of us also gave up meat for most of Lent because we were not going to make different meals for everyone. It meant that we ate a lot of fish and seafood and beans and peanut butter sandwiches. As adults, we do the adult equivalent. No alcohol and no cigarettes or how about no Coke or no coffee. Then we figure that this is too simplistic and so instead of giving something up, we decide to do something extra, something we don't normally do like volunteer at the soup kitchen or we decide to do less and spend more time with family. But for me, as a deacon, it's the opposite. I'm already doing extra, and this is the time of the year when I'm busiest. I recall my New Year's reluctant resolutions that I wrote on our blog to preach more and to give more to charity. I was going to also read Evangelii Gaudium and to love more and complain less. Now, how am I doing with those? Well, Preaching and public speaking more seems to be out of my control, although I had to turn down a few requests during Lent because it was just way too much. Giving to charity? I've always struggled with this. I guess, for me, it's an issue of trust. Don't get me wrong, I do give, but usually it's out of my excess, and I certainly don't give until it hurts. That's a tough one. Reading Evangelii Gaudium. I have to confess, I have not finished. There's so much I have to read, but as long as I'm always reading something that is going to feed my spirit, I guess that's what counts. How about loving more and complaining less? That's an ongoing thing. Perhaps trying to figure out what to focus on during Lent is not that hard after all. I'm Deacon Pedro, and this is the Salt and Light Hour. Hello, I'm Deacon Pedro, and welcome to an all-new Salt and Light Hour. Today we're giving away an album by last week's featured artist, Marie Miller. The album goes to... Marie Halstead. Marie, you've won a copy of Marie Miller's You're Not Alone. Congratulations. If you haven't yet done so, please send us an email to radio at saltandlighttv.org so you can claim your prize. And for the rest of you, if you want to enter our weekly draw... Go to our webpage, saltandlighttv.org slash radio and enter your name and email address where it says stay connected for a chance to win weekly prizes. And make sure you enter your real name and last name. Those people who don't have real names don't get entered. And if you do enter, please check your email because you may win. Today, Alicia and Andrew are here with news and a saint. And in about 15 minutes, Mark Matthews, our Hollywood undercover missionary, has uh, something to tell us about the fashion world in Hollywood. And he's going to be here, like I said, in about 15 minutes. And the Olympics are over, but perhaps you're still thinking about hockey. Maybe you're always thinking about hockey. But have you ever thought what hockey can teach us about the faith? Well, stick around, because in our second half hour... We're going to be speaking with Alyssa Bormis, author of The Catechism of Hockey. 
You're not going to want to miss that conversation. And the Benedictine Sisters of Mary, Queen of Apostles have done it again. They have another chart-topping album, and this one is called Lent at Ephesus. And so we're going to be speaking with the uh, album producer, Monica Fitzgibbons, at the end of the program. And so we begin our Lenten season by listening to some Lenten music. So here are the Benedictine Sisters with Jesus, My Love, from their new album, Lent at Ephesus. That was the Benedictine Sisters of Mary, Queen of Apostles, with Jesus, My Love, from their new album, Lent at Ephesus. And we're going to be speaking with the producer of the album, Monica Fitzgibbons, in our second half hour. But now, here's Alicia with our news. 
Yes, and this week's news is all shamelessly Vatican-related. I didn't even try to go beyond the walls of the Vatican this week. Well, that's not hard for you, because <laughs> you're the Vatican connection. Why do you think I did that? So, first up, Pope Francis gave another interview this week. Yes. Or at least it was printed this week. Right. Uh, it looks like he gave the interview fairly recently. It was published in Italy's Corriere de la Sera and at the same time in Argentina's La Nación. Mm -hmm. It was supposed to be a kind of taking stock of the first year of his papacy. And of course, the first thing the Pope said to his interviewer was, I only take stock once every 15 days with my <laughs> confessor. Yes. What are your questions? That's good. <laughs> Which was great. But he spoke about quite a few things. He spoke about sex abuse, about the role of women in the church and his relationship with Benedict and the Holy See relationship with China. Hmm. So um, one of my favorite lines when I asked about his relationship with Benedict XVI and if he has asked for advice from him, Francis said, well, yes, he's not a statue. Right. He's not a statue in a museum. He's an institution. <laughs> and I thought, that's <laughs> wonderful. But he, he also said that there were people who thought that Benedict should kind of retire to a Benedictine monastery somewhere and stay out of the way. Mm -hmm. And Francis said, I see him as a grandfather. Mm -hmm. And grandparents offer wisdom that strengthens the family. And he said they don't deserve to end up in a rest home. Mm -hmm. Powerful words, mm -hmm. powerful, powerful words there. Um, he also said he wrote to the Chinese president shortly after he was elected. And the Chinese president replied. So there are relations with China. Mm -hmm. Although in what state they are, we do not know. Moving on, another cardinal gave an interview that made news. Cardinal Casper. Now, you'll recall last week at the consistory, he gave the talk to all the cardinals about yes. the, on the topic of marriage. This week, he gave an interview to Avenire, which is the Italian daily newspaper owned by the Italian Bishops' Conference. If there are any bishops out there listening to this, I think that bishops' conferences should have a daily newspaper. I'll, yes. Focusing good. on everything. I'm just putting it out there. And then they should hire us. Yes. Yeah, you and me, Pedro. Anyways, Cardinal Casper said that more women should be in positions of authority and, well, full responsibility in the church. Interesting. He spoke specifically about the upcoming synod, and he said, I don't understand how we can plan a synod and not put a, a synod about the family and not put women right at the middle of it from the beginning. He said in, in the past, women have been present at synods, but usually in kind mm -hmm. of marginal roles, support roles. And there's always two or three, um, they're called auditors. Yeah. But they usually don't get to speak until everyone else has spoken, mm -hmm. until all the cardinals and bishops have spoken. And mm -hmm. he said, I just don't see how that's possible mm -hmm. when you're talking about the family. So we will see who is listening to Cardinal Casper. Interesting. Yeah. And if you are going to Rome in the near future, the uh, garden for any particular for reason. For any particular reason, the I don't know, canonization. Maybe. Yeah. Or some other tour. Yeah. I hear there's another radio guy who actually hosts regular pilgrimages. Oh, maybe I you should, should start do doing that. that. But if you are going to Rome, um, the gardens of the papal summer residence at Castel Gandolfo are now open to the public for the first time ever. They okay. are called the Barberini Gardens. So this is the place where Benedict was living after he retired. It's about 24 kilometers southeast of Rome in the hills. Uh -huh. Mainly it's been there because Rome in the summer gets way too hot yes. to live in. So the popes would always leave because yes. there would be risk of like disease. Yes. 
that's not the case today. We have air conditioning. <laughs> we don't have to worry about such things. There's no risk of disease. No. Yes. And actually, Francis decided not to take a summer vacation this past right. year. So he's decided uh, to... He was in Brazil Well, for I a little I don't think bit. that was a vacation, though. <laughs> no. That was... No, it wasn't. That was a... That was, I think he held up better than you and I yeah, did. Yeah, seriously. So, yes. So you can visit those gardens, and we will have information on our blog about how to buy those tickets, how to book your tour. Okay, good. There we go. Alicia Ambrosio, a tour guide, tour tour uh, ticket seller. And, uh, and oh, I'll be the tour guide if you want. And Vatican <laughs> Connection. Thank you very much. Actually, Alicia is our Salt and Light Hour news producer. Um, you can watch her every week on Vatican Connections and follow her on Twitter at Vati Connections. Hi, this is Hal from a UK band called Uberfuse, and you're listening to Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro. I'm Deacon Pedro. Our website is saltandlighttv.org slash radio. Coming up, what's good in Hollywood with Mark Matthews, our Hollywood undercover missionary. Now it's time for... Saint of the Week with Andrew Santos. Andrew. Deacon Pedro, how are you? I am good, thank you. So who's How does it feel to be... Uh in the midst of a new liturgical season. Oh, Lent, Lent. Still trying to figure out what to give up. <laughs> <laughs> Who's yeah, our, I know, we, it's always a struggle every yeah, year. Yeah, I know. So do we have a, a good Lenten saint? Uh, I believe so. Sure. Yeah. Most saints, you know, their stories always relate to uh, the season of Lent. You know, the whole idea of struggle and sacrifice. So, right. Um, yeah. I think the saint is no different. So today, uh, for our listeners, we are going to be looking at St. John of God. Oh, so he okay. was born Juan Ciudad. I'm kind of butchering that name, but uh-huh. you know, hopefully our listeners will understand. On March the 8th in 1495 at Montemoro Novo in uh-huh. the province of Evora in Portugal. Portugal, okay. So he was born to very poor and devout Christian parents. At the age of eight, he left home and worked as a shepherd for a farmer who was very pleased with him. Now, John had an offer to marry the farmer's daughter and become heir to the property. But... In the long run, he refused because he wanted to pursue a spiritual life. Mm-hmm. Seems like this story is just very common um, in the lives of the saints, yeah. Deacon Pedro. Except a shepherd, John of God was many things in his long life. He was a soldier. He was a bookseller. We know him to be a servant and a hospital administrator. Very interesting. Everything he did seemed a little crazy. However, in everything he did, no matter how crazy and impulsive it seemed, um, John of God was following the will of God. Mm-hmm. So every time he saw a need, he saw one of God's children in need, and he jumped to serve them and the good Lord himself. He was converted on St. Sebastian's Day, which is the 20th of January, yeah. while listening to a sermon by the man who was later to become his spiritual director. And his director encouraged him in his quest to improve the lot of the poor. And any guesses as to who I'm talking about, Deacon Pedro? In, in Portugal? Yeah, in Portugal. St. Anthony? No, his spiritual leader or spiritual director was St. John of Avila. Okay, so okay. Saint after jo- years of wandering, when he was 45, he rented a house in Granada, Spain, Okay. and began caring for the sick, the poor, uh, the homeless, and the unwanted. So he gave what he had, begged for those who couldn't, carried those who could not move on their own, and he also converted both his patients and those who saw him. Hmm. So John's motivation was his great love of God and our Blessed Lady. Mm-hmm. The house became a small hospital where every person in need was welcomed, regardless, unconditionally. Those who came to help John gradually formed a religious order for the care of the poor. They are called the brothers to this day of St. John of God. Yes. 
Uh, before he died on March the 8th, 1550, in Granada, Spain, uh, his selfless dedication to the sick brought him to be known as John of God mm-hmm. to the many people around him. Uh, by faithfully following his example, the Order of Brothers formed after the death of St. John, um, and it is called hospita- Hospitality, and after five centuries, it remains the charism of the Hospitaller Order of St. John of God. Yes. In the year 1570, the fragrant body of St. John of God was found completely intact. Really? Yeah, except for the tip of the nose. Uh, the relics are kept in a chest of beautiful wood in the Basilica of St. John of God in Granada, Spain, to mm-hmm. this day. So if you're ever out that way, check it out. I will. Uh, St. John of God was beatified September the 21st in the year 1630 by Pope Urban VIII and was canonized on October the 16th, 1690, by then Pope Alexander VIII. Mm-hmm. So we look to St. John of God during this time of Lent. Uh, he is the patron saint for hospitals, the sick, nurses, uh, again, booksellers, because that was one of his uh, jobs, right. and for those with heart disease. Wow. Okay. St. John of God, pray for us. Feast day? March the 8th, today. Oh, today, good. Um, you know what? It's funny, you started, and I was thinking, okay, we know John the Evangelist. I've heard of St. John of the Cross. You mentioned St. John of Avila, and I've heard of him, and I had not heard about John of the God until you mentioned Hospitallers. And I, I totally know that order, the Hospitallers of St. John of God. Yeah, um, exactly. They're big in Latin so, America. So, you know, so, yeah. in different languages, um, I'm San not Juan de that Dios. well-versed no, yeah. in many languages, but just thinking about John of God um, in Spanish, San Juan de Dios, I'm assuming yeah. it's Juan de, Juan de Dios. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, we, yeah and then Portuguese, for me, it would be... Uh, John. John would be João. João. João de, de João Deus. de Deus. De Deus. There you yeah, go. Very similar. Andrew Santos, Portuguese. Next time you do it in Portuguese, okay? Will do. Will do for our listeners. If you're Portuguese, uh, write to us. <laughs> write to us. Write to us in Portuguese. Write to Andrew exactly. in Portuguese. We'd love to. Uh, we'd love to uh, hear what you're thinking. Thank you, Andrew. Our saint expert, Andrew Santos, is youth director at Saint Justin Martyr Parish in Markham, Ontario. I'm Krista, I'm Lisa, and I'm Teresa Hansen, and And we're we're Seraphim, Seraphim. and you're listening to the Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro. You can like Salt and Light Radio at facebook.com slash slradio1. Also visit us at saltandlighttv.org slash radio and stay connected for a chance to win weekly prizes. Now it's time for... What's Good in Hollywood with our Hollywood undercover missionary... Mark Matthews. Mark, Happy New Year. Is, that, is this the first time we speak in the new year? I think it is. That's right, yes. This is the new liturgical year. This is the first time we've talked. Yeah, Happy New Year and Happy liturg- New Lent. Yes, Happy Lent. Yes, happy, happy, happy Lent to you too. So you have a Lenten, a Lenten theme for us today. I have a little bit of a Lenten theme. So Lent is the time when we're called to put on our sackcloth and ashes, just like in uh, Daniel 9.3. It Ye- says, I turn to the Lord, pleading in earnest, with fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. Okay. Um, and I got thinking about that a little bit, and I was like, gee, what, what's the Hollywood connection there? And it reminded me of the time that I saw high fashion sackcloth and ashes. Like, are you serious? Like a fashion show, like, like Zoolander? Yes, yes, exactly. Just like the movie Zoolander. So um, if you remember, for our listeners, if you remember the movie Zoolander, which was about a film from about 10 years ago, a uh-huh. Ben Stiller kind of comedy cult classic yeah. that made fun of the high fashion world, they had a fashion called Derelict, which was a fashion for the homeless. Okay. And as it just so happens, truth is stranger than fiction. These kind of things happen in real life. So you went to one and it was like that? Yeah, I, I went to a real high fashion show, and, and it was like that. So 
the way it happened is uh, it just so happened one night. Um, I don't worry, I'm not really into the clubbing scene, but this one particular night we had went to a club, a golf with a club, friends, and we got <laughs> turned away because we weren't on the list, okay. quote unquote, the, the, the ever famous list. Yes. So uh, one of my friends who was with us, he was like, "Like this club isn't even important. Who, who do they think they are? They go, I'll, I'll get you guys into a, a real event." And so, uh, so he was a music composer, and he got invited to play at this. It's a very fancy, high fashion show, which is down in the fashion district of uh-huh. Los Angeles. And it was the craziest thing I had ever seen. Um, it was, first of all, the people had the most outlandish fashions that you've ever seen in your life. I've seen, you know, uh, tight pinks on guys and big frumpy grays on women. And <laughs> the most feather boas I've seen in my life before. So these, um, are, not, these, are, not, these are not the fashion models. These are the people at the event. These are the people at the event. These are the people who design the fashion, the people who critique the fashion. That's great. So they, they had a TMZ videographer there, which is kind of like a celebrity video show. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And there was way more self-importance there than what I usually ever see. There's people standing around all frowning. You know, oh, yes, I've seen this before. I've seen this before. Oh, right, yes, yes, right. yes. So, and when the actual fashion show came, to top it all off, and this was almost like sort of the final thing, is they had an actual fashion for the homeless and it was like you know pieces of garbage literally like sewing to some of these like pieces of clothing and I was just like I was like oh you gotta be kidding this is just really? like in the movie Zoolander I thought I didn't think this thing happened kind of things happen in real life so wow but uh, but sure enough it did <laughs> so that's crazy so you're kind of going Mark uh, why why are you talking about this what's the lens <laughs> connection yeah here? what is so, yeah Mark yeah so the thing the thing that really stuck out in my mind um, when I was at this fashion show was the people who were standing around with the sense of self-importance frowning. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you know, that they, had, that they had seen it all before. And if I think of me and my friends, we were kind of like giggly teenagers. Yeah. Um, and it kind of made me think of uh, the words of Christ. He said, to what shall I compare this generation here? Like children who sit around in marketplaces and call to another, going, we played the flute for you, but you did not dance. Yeah. We sang a dirge for you, but you did not mourn. And uh, really what Christ is kind of saying, you think you're unpleasable. You know, there, I, I can do anything for you, but nothing's going to make you happy. Right. Um, and so some people just can't be pleased. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, why? Well, well, clearly these people had attitude, but I think, a, you know, a child who maybe takes the infinite pleasure in blowing the seeds off of a dandelion, and, and that's what we're called to, it's just these simple little pleasures in life. So... So how do we get back to that state of, of being a child and taking pleasure in all the little things? Mm-hmm. And uh, this, is, this is a little bit of my theme from last year, but I say, you know, take a fast. Uh, to these people, I might have said, you know, maybe take a mass, a fashion fast. Uh-huh. Um, you know, maybe you just get to wear normal clothes for <laughs> a whole month of Lent. Or yes. Not the month of Lent, yes. the whole season the, of Lent. Yes. Um, you know, or maybe you don't uh, you don't look at all the other fashions or something. Mm-hmm. And you know, you know, so whatever, you know, we kinda feel like maybe our senses are being oversaturated in, that's what we're called to step away from. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, remember we're not giving this up because it's bad. You know, the church is not necessarily saying that, you know, fashion is bad, but we give it up because it's something that's good, it's just too much of a good thing isn't good. Right. Too much. I like that. Too much of a good thing isn't good. Words of wisdom with Mark Matthews. Yeah. Thank you. Sackcloth and derelict. I like it. Ashes. Yes. Sackcloth and derelict ashes. Yes. Thank you, Mark. Uh, 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 Thank you for sharing that. Very good point and, and good advice for Lent.
Yeah, bit of a crazy story from the crazy world of Los Angeles. A clubbing with Mark Matthews in Los Angeles. There you have it. Thank Some, you, Pedro. Yeah, something. It's always something interesting with uh, Mark Matthews. Uh, what's good in Hollywood with Mark Matthews, our undercover Hollywood missionary. Hey, everybody. It's Marie Miller, and you're listening to the Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro. You can podcast our show at saltandlighttv.org slash radio. And now you can listen to Catholic music all day long on our Salt and Light Radio playlists at that same web address. Now, one thing we always have wanted to do is to give you good resources to help you in your spiritual life. And there are so many blogs out there that that's hard to figure out which ones are good and which ones are Catholic. And so every once in a while, we're going to be featuring a blog. So today we're featuring Joe Sales Writes. And to tell us all about it, we're joined by the man himself, Joe Sales. Joe, welcome to the program. Thank you, Deacon, for having me on the show. So, Joe, how does, how does someone become a blogger? Well, you wonder what? Uh, it's very easy. Um, there's a lot of different platforms out there. Uh, one platform that I use and that I recommend to others is uh, WordPress.com. Okay. It's free, it's easy, and it has a lot of uh, features. Right. Now, why did you want to be, be a blogger? Well, I have an interesting uh, life story, um, and I've grown up with a learning disability, and I also am very strong in my faith, Mm -hmm. and I I just wanted uh, an outlet to tell my story, but also to be real and authentic in hopes of encouraging and empowering others in their life and faith as well. So your your hope is to, through your your thoughts, your writings, your own experiences, help other people with their faith, not just other people who might be experiencing similar challenges with learning dis, uh, challenges. Exactly. Like their life, their faith. Like if they have a disability or not, then like. I, I just hope that my my writings will encourage others. So, what's um what's an example of the kind of thing that you would put on your on your site? Uh, what's the last blog that you wrote? Uh, the last blog post that I wrote was about hearing. Uh-huh. Um, I uh, recently found out that I was uh, going uh, that I had uh, mild hearing loss, and I recently had to get a hearing aid. Right, and I I wrote I wrote a little bit about that, but I I tried to relate it to faith as well. So, since myself as a Catholic and others, whether they are Catholic or just whether they're Christian, that they will be listening and hearing what God has to tell them uh, this uh, Lenten season. Right. No, I thought that was a a a, a very interesting. Uh, reflection for Lent about hearing and of course with your own personal experience that we we take hearing for granted if I don't have a, a, a hearing impairment or, or you know I just take it for granted in fact I can't even imagine what it'd be like to lose hear my hearing so when I read your blog I thought you know like what a great reflection for Lent when we're supposed to be opening our, our ears but also our hearts to the word to the word of Christ to where, where God might be leading us this Lent um, you say in your blog, like the tagline says, dwelling on the mysteries of faith, life 
and everything in between. Yeah, and what like when I first um, came up with the idea for my blog, um, I I personally had uh, difficulty uh, trying to come up with a tagline, and I had someone I can't remember who it was had uh, suggested that. Oh yeah, because um, with my blog, um, like I I. I try to uh, post on a lot of different things that um, reflect that talk about the faith and that talk about life and just everything in between like like sometimes I may not always post about life or faith like it could be something that's happening in the world right uh, um uh, so, if people want to read your blog, if they want to find out more about what you're doing, the website is joesalesrights.wordpress.com. That is correct. Okay, and we're going to put that link on our site as well so people can find it easily. So, it's Joe Sales, S-A-L-E-S, writes, writes as in he writes with a with a pen, writes.wordpress.com. Joe, thank you uh, for sharing a little bit of what you do with us today and a little bit of, of your personal experience as well, and, uh, and uh, keep doing what you're doing. All right, thanks so much, Deacon. That's, again, joesaleswrites.wordpress.com. We also wanted to remind you, uh, a few months ago, we were speaking about the Mary of Nazareth film. And, in fact, there's a few screenings if you're in the southern Ontario area. Thanks to Branches Catholic Ministries in St. Catharines, um, there's going to be screenings in Mississauga, in Kitchener, in St. Catharines, and a location in Whitby. If you're interested and you want to go watch the film Mary of Nazareth, uh, go to uh, Branches Catholic Ministries website is go to branches.com. Go, G-O, the number two, branches.com. Go to branches.com. We keep posting all these on our Facebook page as well. So if you can't find it, just uh, go to our Facebook page and, and you'll find it there. Um, coming up in our second half hour, what can hockey teach us about our faith and Lent at Ephesus. So stay tuned. Hello and welcome to the Salt and Light Hour Part 2. I'm Deacon Pedro. I'm sure most of you sports fans have never asked why sports have so many rules. We just accept that to play soccer or baseball, you need rules. Take hockey. There are so many rules. There are rules about the number of players on the ice, about how long they can be on the ice, about the uniforms, about penalties, about slashing, cross-checking, high-sticking. There are offsides and icing. But all hockey players and fans know that without the rules, there would be no hockey. But many of us wonder why the Catholic Church has so many rules. Well, if you have ever needed help explaining the faith to anyone, we now have a new playbook. And to tell us all about it, I am now joined by Alyssa Bormis, author of The Catechism of Hockey. Alyssa, welcome to the Salt and Light Hour. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm thrilled to be on with you. It, it was a thrill reading your book. Now, th tell us how you came up with, with this idea. You know, I was, uh, I've always heard, and I think we all have, that uh, sports are a religion. Uh -huh. But I was laying awake one night pondering that and wondering, we all admit it, but I've never heard a reason why. And then it was literally like a poof, and I had the catechism of hockey, nearly the whole thing, in one poof. <laughs> and then the next thing is a friend called me to say she was engaged, and I said, that's great, but let me tell you about the catechism of hockey. Oh, and it just great. started from there. 
That's great. I, I, I have to tell you that I've, o- I've already used it twice, once in a homily to ah. explain something and, I, and also in a confirmation class to explain something else. So it, it, I find it so wow. useful. So, okay, so f- people are probably still trying to figure out what we're talking about. So, th- so this, is, this analogy that you're making be- between hockey or sports in general and, and our faith, cate- the catechism of the Catholic, the catechism of hockey and the catechism of our faith. So um, can you explain everything about our faith using hockey analogies? I don't know that I have explained everything about the faith. Pretty the much. Faith is so rich. <laughs> uh, but you know what? I've just explained the basics. Okay. Just the, the beginning rules, how it's set up, the deposit of faith, and then the um, commissioner and governing body, for example. Right. Suppose where hockey really uh, stands out over any other sport in the analogy is uh, with sin. Uh-huh. And it's because in hockey you get a major or minor penalty, and when you get one you go to the box, which is so Catholic. Uh-huh. And then the amazing thing is that you make your team play shorthanded, which is exactly what we do when we're not in a state of grace. Right. No, you know what? I, that's a great example. I was going to ask you to give us an example. So let's let's unpack that a little more. So in hockey because there might be listeners who who are not hockey, uh, who don't follow hockey. So in hockey, when there's a penalty, one of the players gets taken off the ice and the team has to play with shorthanded. So instead of five players, they would play with four, correct? Right, exactly. And you're saying... The the one team, you don't get to replace the guy who's made a penalty. No, you... They have to go sit in the box and now you're a guy short but the other team gets to stay at full strength. Right, which is what we call a power play. So, yes. And you're saying that in, in real life with sin, that's exactly what happens, that when we yes. sin, we're actually hurting the whole team because we're, they have to then play shorthanded. That's exactly right. We, when we're not in a state of grace, which, you know, just look at the world today. I think plenty of us are not in a state of grace. Mm-hmm. And we make the mystical body the whole Catholic Church plays shorthanded. Mm-hmm. And I always think, just imagine if for one day, just your diocese played at full strength. Hmm. Imagine if the country played at full strength, or the whole Catholic world. If we played at full strength one day, we would transform the world. Right. Absolutely. Now, you do spend a lot of times, and I alluded to this in the intro, uh, it's, uh, trying to compare rules, why hockey has rules and the church has rules. Why would you say then that the church has so many rules? How do you respond to people who, who, who complain <laughs> about that? You know, uh, we often hear the church is just a list of things you can't do. Yeah. And yeah. I always say it's really a list of the things that you can do. And it's one thing that you can do. It's say yes to Christ. Mm. And in order to say yes to him perfectly, you necessarily have to reject other things. So the church is just telling us what to reject in order to say yes perfectly to Christ. Right. So, uh, it, and that's the same as in hockey because the rules are, are sort of uh, allowing us to have the freedom so that we can play the game? That's, ex- that's exactly it. The, the rules give you freedom. Right. If you just had this chaotic thing where you could play a mixture of, let's say, hockey, football, baseball, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. whatever sport. With flip-flops. And, <laughs> and there were no real rules that we all understood as sort of the baseline. Yes. And it, it's just chaos. Yeah, it wouldn't be fun at all. Um, so, and, and what about people who say, well, why does the faith have to be so difficult? Can't we just play? How would you respond to that? <laughs> you know, 
uh, I think of the Olympians uh, just that we just watched. Right. And that it's so great to set the bar high because what, what happens when we set the bar high is people reach for it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the things that I'm calling parents to do as they teach their children. They're the first teachers. And if you teach the children, set the bar high because your kids really want to reach it. Mm-hmm. But when we're satisfied with mediocrity, they'll be satisfied with it or less. So when Jesus says, and when the church says, be perfect or be holy as your heavenly father is perfect, uh, that's what you mean. Cause you know, be, um, strive for it. Yeah, because I can't be perfect, but I can definitely, I'm called to, to try and try and try and strive. And, and you know, I, it reminds me also of... Um, uh, Therese of Lisieux in the story of the soul yes. speaks about being the grain of sand at the bottom of the mountain yeah. and trying to climb uh, Carmel but the um, that God wouldn't give you something impossible to do right right that he will help you and frankly then in her case she jumps into his arms in order that he'll help her yeah um, let me ask you about one more of the analogies because, I mean, the f- the book is full of these analogies and I, I don't want to give too many of them away because I want people to get the book. But one of the ones right. that I, f- I found the most uh, the most perfect and surprising at the same time was your, your explanation about why we shouldn't have sex outside of marriage or before marriage. Can uh, you take us through that one? Uh, uh, you know, that was so much fun. I uh, it all it really did come about That's because great. the um, the principal at the grade school called me to substitute teach. Yeah, and I'm used to her calling me for that, but I always think it's for a theology class. Right. And this time it's for a gym class. Yeah. And I thought, oh, oh my goodness, what am I going to do? And uh, so thinking of um, having these girls help me with research. Right. And uh, I suppose your audience is thinking, what on earth? How does marriage high school girls or junior high girls and I know, uh, just, research yeah, wait for it. it <laughs> yeah, 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 go for it. But the the thing was, I I wanted to talk about winning the Stanley Cup uh-huh. because we all agree that in hockey, the Stanley Cup is the ultimate reward. Absolutely. Now we could certainly be talking about baseball in the World Series or something. It doesn't yeah. matter which sport. Yes. But the ultimate reward in hockey is the Stanley Cup. Mm-hmm. And winning the Stanley Cup. How do we do that? And so I told the girls, we're going to practice winning the Cup. Mm-hmm. And we had a Stanley Cup stand-in, which was a stick horse that we found in a <laughs> closet someplace. Yeah. And I would announce, uh, ladies and gentlemen, the 2011 Stanley Cup winners and uh, the you know the girls from Holy Family Academy, and they jump around and and it was all exciting. And then they stop and stare at me. Yeah. Like, okay, now what? I said, well, we're winning the cup. No, we're not. We're not doing anything. Said, well, you're not understanding. So I would do it again. Yeah. And uh, we'd practice winning the cup, as in being handed the cup. Yes. Being handed the big reward before we did any of the work. Mm-hmm. And it was the girls themselves telling me, you can't win the cup that way. Mm-hmm. I would say, why not? As, uh, you know, as if I didn't understand what they were saying. Right. And they said, um, because we're not doing any work. You're not teaching us anything. We haven't worked at skating. Mm-hmm. We don't even know the rules of skating. You've done nothing to help us. And uh, in essence, there's no sacrifice going into this award, so it's meaningless. Yeah. But, ah, fantastic. And I said, 
don't you want to learn, you know, how to accept the award? Mm-hmm. Don't you want to learn how to be excited? Shouldn't we even learn to sign autographs to be ready for that and, yeah. and take team pictures, you know, practice at that? And they said, no, that's the easy part. Mm-hmm. You'll just know how to do that. Mm-hmm. And there was one uh, girl, well, I hate to give this part away, but I will. Yeah. <laughs> like a mystic in the background she kept telling me after i made them do it over and over and over she said it's fake yeah ah that's it it's brilliant it's brilliant and that yeah nobody practices winning the stanley cup by being handed a cup stand-in yeah you practice winning the stanley cup by sacrifice Mm -hmm. and that's what i uh that's what i got from these girls and then I translated it to marriage. We Absolutely. Quote unquote practice marriage. That's what you hear all the time. Yeah. With people sleeping with one another. Mm-hmm. That's not practicing marriage. That's practicing the easy part. Yeah. It's fake. That's the part that comes naturally. You have to practice the sacrifice. Mm-hmm. That's great. That's that's so I mean just that is worth getting the book. Um, I, 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 seriously, I'm going to continue using, I'm actually going to go do a marriage encounter uh, during Lent. There's four sessions. I'm going to use that ex- same example because it's so good. Alyssa, that's all the time we have, but I am, I'm very excited about the book, and I, and I hope that everybody, catechists, parents, anybody who has struggled, struggles with understanding anything about our catechism gets the book yeah. because it's so, you put it all in, even for people who are not sports fans, we get it. We get it. So thank you so much for, for that poof of the idea that came to you clearly by the Holy Spirit and, and for, for putting it to paper because it's, it's, uh, it's very, well, very it, good and very useful. It had useful. to be, and it was, it was a great, it's been a great blessing. It's unbelievable. Thank you for having me. Amen. Alyssa Bormas is a popular speaker and retreat leader. She has taught scripture, theology, and catechism in a variety of settings. Her first book, The Catechism of Hockey, is published by ACS Books, and you can learn more at her website, alyssabormas.com. We're going to put that uh, that link on our site so you can find it easily. Here now are the Benedictine Sisters of Mary, Queen of Apostles, with Jesu Salvatore Mundi from their new album, Lent at Ephesus.
That was the Benedictine Sisters of Mary, Queen of Apostles, with Jesu Salvatore Mundi from their new album, Lent at Ephesus. Now, last we heard from the Benedictine Sisters of Mary, Queen of Apostles, they had just put out their second album, Angels and Saints at Ephesus. This was just after the success of their first album, Advent at Ephesus. The Benedictines of Mary have been featured on Good Morning America, Fox and Friends, The Wall Street Journal, NPR, EWTN, Rome Reports, and of course on Salt and Light Radio and on this program, the Salt and Light Hour. They've been Billboard's number one classical traditional artist of 2012 and 2013, and now they've done it again. And to tell us about their new album, Lent at Ephesus, I am now joined by Monica Fitzgibbons of De Montfort Music. Monica, welcome back to the program. Thank you, Deacon Pedro. Thank you for having me on. So for um, our new listeners, or for those who missed when we spoke about the first two albums, can you tell us about the Benedictine Sisters? Who are they? Oh, well, gee, there's so much to say about them. But, you know, Deacon, they really are very uh, monastic, very hidden. It's um, a very unique thing, really, to have something like this in the Americas. It's something we more typically think of as being sort of a European phenomenon, uh, very hidden, very um, uh, cloistered away in their convent, um, their monastery. They happen to be in the Midwest of the United States, Mm -hmm. and uh, they sing extremely beautifully. Mm -hmm. Part of the reason for that is that the Mother Superior had quite a upbringing and training uh, and pedigree in classical music. Right. She actually played in Chicago and she's um, a cello. She's a and cellist, in Ohio right? at the symphonies there. So she kind of came up that way. But but really, they're not trying to be chart-topping nuns. They were just singing these songs as part of their vespers and their their Benedictine rule of life, where they're in the chapel eight times per day. Right. And... Um, they they were just bringing their very best to the Lord, and and then we sort of found them, and have brought their music to people because we didn't want to just keep it to ourselves. <laughs> right now, and uh, but they're quite busy because th- th- this is th- the third album in less than a year, correct? Or correct. just over? A, yeah. So, uh, do you think that this has become? Um, sort of one other part of the sisters' work, as as their Benedictine rule calls for? Yes. Well, I I think that, again, it wasn't part of their plan, but um, they are singing to God. These are love songs for them that they're expressing uh, to their divine spouse. And uh, like any love song that any of us have ever been um, captivated by, these songs draw you in and then when you think about that as you listen to them and of course with the cd there's a 12 page booklet with the lyrics right it becomes almost a lenten devotional and uh i know for myself zeke and uh i i've been learning so much in my mind about the catholic church yes but really you know it's it's the love of our lord first and this is a more emotional uh way of of getting closer to him and then to the faith and and i know for me it's helped me to love jesus more mm-hmm. now you you mentioned that they're cloistered so how does this work you you cart in all the recording equipment and all the crew 
into the monastery, into the the abbey, right? Yes. Well, what what happens is that um, they they don't leave, and so they have their rule of life. They're not looking for any kind of fame, any kind of money. Uh, it, it really was us coming to them and saying, "Look, you know, we have this background in arts and entertainment. My husband and I, you yes. know, for." Many years I worked for DreamWorks, and my husband worked for uh, Sony Music. Yes. And so we had an appreciation for this, almost just as sort of like a hidden relic. And uh, so we took a look and said, how can we do this without being invasive and disrupting? Mm -hmm. We don't want to try and get you you know, in the press and doing all these things um, that, that are against your way of life. Mm-hmm. So, um, so what we did was we decided that we would uh, we would go in there and uh, and build a mobile recording studio, and then they gave us two days, a little over two days, and we brought the very best classical Grammy award winning producer, right. uh, not you know not a Catholic gentleman, uh, mm-hmm. not not for that reason, but because we knew that he would be able to record them as they actually sound in their chapel. We didn't want bells and whistles. We didn't want, you know, anything artificial. But we did want to capture the sound the best way possible of their chapel. Mm -hmm. So when you are listening to this, it's as if you are transported to their chapel and hear them singing. And that's really what we wanted to do, was that let their music be shared without having to take them out of, of what they do. Right. And I think that that's what, what's unique about not just this album, but all the first two. Um, it, it's, yeah. it's very uh, acoustic. I mean, it's the real thing. Now, it, but is there something different about this album, would you say, from compared to uh, Advent and Angels and Saints? Yeah. Well, we've used different producers yes. for each album. For Advent, because it was sort of Christmassy and Advent, um, we brought in kind of a, a rock producer. He, you know, is somebody that we worked with on U2 and yeah. other artists like that. Um, and he was able to just really capture the harmonies and and just, you know, we wanted to come in with a bang. The second one, which was Angels and Saints, and it mm-hmm. followed closely because that then ended and people still wanted to be able to listen to the sisters. So we recorded something that would be uh, meaningful and appropriate, I guess, year-round. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so we brought in from Germany a nine-time Grammy Award-winning classical, top classical producer who had done, you know, Pavarotti before he passed. and um, Right has done all kinds of different, uh, you know, world-renowned Bocelli, different kind of yes. um, singers and choral works like that on the classical level. His name was Mr. Christopher Alder, mm-hmm. and that was just an incredible collaboration because he would, you know, hear what they were intending and say, okay, now let's let's bring this down here, let's create an accent here. So it almost sounded like an orchestra. Mm. Um, like there would be parts uh, where it almost sounded like an oboe, but it was one of the sisters singing. So there were some experimental things that we did with that. With Lent at Ephesus, we brought in um, Blanton Alspa, who had won the 2013 Grammy, classical Grammy, and um, 
he's worked with just about every symphony from Seoul to Nashville and to all points in between. And the reason why we brought him in is because he went to the Shepherd School of Music at Rice, which is where Mother Cecilia oh, graduated yeah. from. Okay. So it was it was the two really speaking the same musical language mm-hmm. and I, I really felt for Mother it was like a comfortable glove. I mean they you know, Blanton would get on you know, we set up sort of a control room for him and he would get on and say, Okay, you know, um, we need the breathing here, and this arrangement of this one uh, bridge needs to be addressed. And, and she would already know that that was coming. And, right. and then she can just write arrangements on the fly. I mean, she, this is an incredibly talented person who mm-hmm. people did not understand in her early 20s why she would give up this huge trajectory of this classical right. music career whether by voice or French horn, she could have done anything she wanted, but she got the call, and it's just, it's incredible how our Lord has found her in this monastery. Of course, we're distributed by DECA Universal, which is the largest distributor worldwide of classical music. She's given her talents to the Lord, and he certainly has used them and now was this producer from her alma mater, and as I'm sitting here, Deacon Pedro, I am looking at Decca Universal tweeting a prayer card that one of the, the sub-priorists made for one of the songs. They've tweeted it to over 21,000 people Amazing. with a picture of our Lord with the crown of thorns to commemorate the beginning of Lent and Ash Wednesday. I mean, there are so many little miracles it's, here that yeah. are going on. It's so inspiring. It is. It is. What a great way to evangelize. Um, so just in closing then, so all the proceeds go to support the community? Well, most the, the significant yes. amount of proceeds go to them. Of course, there are some things that go into the well, costs, you know, yeah. business side of this, but we've been able to construct a situation. That was why we did this sort of ministry, is that we wanted to help them complete their monastery because they're actually wanting to be cloistered, but they haven't been able to build, finish building the cloister. So once, you know, these, you know, albums have done what we hope they'll do, They'll have their monastery and the rest of their chapel finished building, and that that's really all they would be doing this for, um, is to sustain themselves. And uh, it's very beautiful to be able to watch the progress with each CD that uh, people buy mm-hmm. and support. Yeah, well, we're looking forward to, to the next one, Monica. So thank you so much. <laughs> thank you so much for sharing with us today uh, the work that you're doing and, and a little bit about the, the work the sisters are doing as well. And thank you. And, and if I might share our website, Deacon, yes. um, it's um, www.demontfort, D-E-M-O-N-T-F-O-R-T, like St. Marie de Montfort, uh, music.com. Absolutely. So that's, uh, thank you very much, Monica. God bless you. Thank you. The Benedictine Sisters of Mary, Queen of Apostles' new album, Lent at Ephesus, is produced by De Montfort Music and distributed by Decca Universal. Monica Fitzgibbons is the co-founder of De Montfort Music. You can learn more at demontfortmusic.com and you can learn about the Benedictine Sisters of Mary, Queen of Apostles at benedictinesofmary.org. And here now are the Benedictines of Mary with Improperia from their new album, Lent at Ephesus. 
We're listening to the Benedictines of Mary, Queen of Apostles with Improperia from their new album, Lent at Ephesus. And that will take us to the end of the program. Remember to visit our website, saltandlighttv.org radio. That's where you can download our podcast, this program, and also where you can now listen to uninterrupted music all day long. Thanks to the support of many artists and organizations like De Montfort Music. Check out our four Salt and Light radio music playlists. Remember to stay connected with us for a chance to win weekly prizes. Next week, we're going to give away a copy of Lent at Ephesus. So if you like the songs that you heard today, run to your computer, go to our website, saltandlighttv.org radio, and enter your name and email address. Remember, please, real names and last names. You can also like us on Facebook and write nice things about us, and that will for sure get you entered into our weekly draw. Remember that Facebook is the best way to follow what we do. It's facebook.com slash slradio1. slradio1. Don't get us confused with Salt and Light Radio out of Boise, Idaho. Visit us on Facebook. It's a good place to go. And while you're on Facebook, look for me, Deacon Pedro, on Facebook. And you can also follow me on Twitter at Deacon Pedro GM. Salt and Light Radio and the Salt and Light Hour are ministries of Salt and Light Catholic Media Foundation. You can learn all about Salt and Light and all that we do at saltandlighttv.org. Thanks for being with us and for supporting what we do. Have a holy and blessed Lenten season. I'm Deacon Pedro, and this has been the Salt and Light Hour. <laughs>